Tonight's reading is from 1 Kings, chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and, bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Jerophath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have summoned, commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please get me a little water to, in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said. But make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. The word of the Lord.
As the Lord God lives before whom I stand, your deeds will not go unpunished. That which you worship will begin to choke you until there is no life left in you or your children. That which you worship will poison the sky until it can no longer protect your lands from the sun. Your cities will drown in floods and your fields will dry up and the toxic dust clouds will roll across your lands. They will find you and fill your lungs and the lungs of your children and the lungs of your cattle and all will wheeze and die. That which you worship will choke you and your lands until only one-third of the earth remains to sustain you, and then that which you worship, it will leave you helpless and hopeless because you have abandoned the ways of the Lord your God. Today, if you will only listen... When we left left our story, King Solomon, because of his progressive political and uh, religious philosophies, i.e. the pursuit of knowledge through bringing a bride, her priest, and her gods in from every tribe, people, and country he encountered, causes the end of the kingdom of Israel. Well, civil unrest led to the division of the kingdoms into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The kingdom of Judah returned to the Lord God, and the northern kingdoms of Israel took all those other gods with them when they left. They especially liked that god of the Canaanites, Baal. Uh, Jump four kings forward in the northern kingdom of Israel to King Omari, who in order to secure his borders, did things the old King Solomon way by marrying the enemy. Well, he marries off his son Ahab, to the daughter of the king of Sidon. Her name was Jezebel, and she just happened to be a priestess of Baal. This was no problem for anyone in the northern kingdom. That's how they did things there. Ahab became king and built Jezebel a temple for her Baal worship. This is pragmatic empire building. But the Lord God and Moses had spent a lot of time developing the way one should govern a country, laid out many laws the way Israel should be run. And those laws, to start with, said, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. The northern kingdom of Israel had gotten so far away from that that it was barely recognizable as the people of God. So the Lord God does what the Lord God did whenever Israel had strayed from the Lord God, the Lord God sent somebody to bring them back into the fold, to call them to repentance, usually in very strong terms. Enter Elijah, the major prophet. As the Lord God lives, before whom I stand, your deeds will not go unpunished. That which you worship will begin to choke you until there is no life left in you and your children. You have given your lives, your very souls, to the dark and insidious ruler who tells you that your captivity is freedom and that your torture is pleasure. That which you worship will draw from you all humanity 
until you are nothing but shadows, nothing but zeros and ones, helpless and hopeless, because you have abandoned the ways of the Lord your God. Today, if you will only listen. This is a story about a prophet named Elijah. Elijah was a regular man who made some mistakes, and he was afraid sometimes, just like you can be. Yet, when it really mattered, he trusted God. Elijah did amazing things with God's help, and God did amazing things for Elijah. A few things you should know before we start the story is that the land of Israel where Elijah was going was very evil. There was a king named Ahab who believed in a god named Baal, the weather god. He and most of the people worshipped this god and did many things that the Bible says we should not do. King Ahab also had a wife named Jezebel. The king and his wife both came from evil families, and together they helped make Israel a place that God did not like. That's why God sent Elijah he would show the people that God was more powerful and the only one that they should be worshiping. Well, it all started when Elijah was told by God to deliver a message to King Ahab. Elijah went to Ahab and told him, My God told me that there will be no rain or even dew for the next three years until I say so. I'm going to guess that Ahab didn't really believe this because it would happen because he worshipped Baal, who was the lord of all the weather. And so he could have rain any time if he just prayed to Baal. Now just think for a second. If you had no rain or snow or even dew for three years, rivers and lakes would get very small and dry up completely. Since that's where we get our water from, we probably wouldn't be able to have baths or flush toilets anymore. We couldn't grow baby spinach or organic produce. And can you believe scientists say that if California's historic drought continues for another 10 years, it's doubtful the land would ever be recoverable in our lifetime, and the associated health costs would run into the trillions. Getting a drink of water wouldn't be easy anymore. We might only be allowed one cup a day. Just imagine. As Elijah told King Ahab what would happen, the Lord told Elijah to go and hide. And while there would be no rain and not much food in the land, God made sure Elijah had what he needed. He stayed by a brook where there was water for him to drink, and a type of bird called a raven brought him bread and meat for breakfast and supper every day. Neat, huh? But eventually, the brook dried up. So God sent Elijah, told him to go to Zarephath, which is in Sidon, and go there to a widow and ask her for food and drink. And when Elijah got there and saw the widow collecting sticks, asked her for a drink of water, which she brought. And while she was bringing it, he asked her to bring me something to eat. And she said she had nothing but a little bit left of oil in her jar and a bit of flour, and she was about to make it for her and her son so they would eat what was left and then die. Now Elijah said, Please, don't be afraid. Take and make your supper and bring a loaf for me 
And I promise you, the Lord will provide for you and not let you suffer in this time. Your jar of oil and your jar of flour will never empty. So Elijah stayed with her, and they ate and ate for many days. And the oil and the flour jars were never empty. Sometime later, her son got gravely ill and died. Now the widow came to Elijah and said, What have you done? My son has died. So Elijah Elijah prayed to God. And he took the boy in his arms to the room upstairs where he was staying, and he cried out to the Lord, Oh, my God, please let my boy live, this boy live again. And Elijah spread his hands over the boy and cried out to God. And he cried out three times, and the Lord heard the cry of the boy, and the boy began to breathe. Elijah picked up the boy and took him downstairs to his mother and said, Look, God has answered my prayer. Your son is alive. As the woman hugged and kissed her son, she said to Elijah, Thank you. I know that the Lord is with you, and whatever you say is true. Now, if you think that's a cool story, that's just the first half. Elijah has to show the people of Israel, King Ahab and Jezebel, that Baal isn't God. Elijah doesn't know how he's going to do it, but God has it all planned out. God has a lot in store for Elijah. Yes, God has a lot to in store for Elijah. Really, even more than this particular text knows. Not only does Elijah proceed in Kings to bring the prophetic word of the Lord to Ahab in the northern king of Israel, Elijah actually shows up all over the place in all kinds of different texts from different religions in different time periods. He shows up in the Talmud and the Mishnah and the New Testament and the Koran. And whenever he shows up in these different texts through different times, he brings with him some message of mercy. Perhaps he's always showing up in these different texts because of the way he exits his primary narrative. He does not die, but he's taken up in a whirlwind. He's just taken away. So maybe writers and rabbis and priests and prophets figure he could be set down by that same whirlwind just about anywhere, anytime, in their text, if he's needed. When Elijah shows up in a particular circumstance, when Elijah shows up, it is always in a particular circumstance. It's a story like the the story of God sending Elijah to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. That kind of sets the parameters for Elijah's future touchdowns. Jesus says it best in Luke's gospel. The people in Jesus' hometown are asking him why he isn't healing them and why he does miracles in other towns but not theirs. And Jesus replies, In the time of great drought, did Elijah go to a widow in Israel and give her bread to eat? Did Elijah raise the dead dead son of a widow in Israel? No, Elijah went to the widow in Zarephath in Sidon the country who are the enemies of God, and the countries who God's Baal sat in Jerusalem's temples, in Israel's temples. Elijah goes to other outsiders, to other enemies, all throughout these different texts. Wherever people are hopeless and helpless, Elijah can show up promising future of peace 
and healing. Perhaps another reason many of these writers and rabbis, priests, and prophets have Elijah showing up in their texts is because of the last of the Old Testament prophets who says in the book of Malachi that Elijah's return will proceed the great and terrible day of the Lord and the coming of the Messiah. Elijah is a figure that is a harbinger of the Messiah's coming, of an end time where there will be peace, justice, mercy, and all will be reconciled with God. One of those stories comes from the Babylonian Talmud. Rabbi Yosef, Joshua, uh, comes to the prophet's entrance, uh, the cave, entrance of the cave of Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Yahshua sees Elisha there. He appears in the mouth of the cave. And the Rabbi Yahshua asks Elijah a question about the future. When will the Messiah come? Elijah answers. Elijah tells him, go and ask him yourself. Rabbi Yahshua was amazed. You mean I could find him? I could talk to him now? I could go visit the Messiah? Where is he? Elijah said, you can find him at the gates of Rome. And so immediately, Rabbi Yahshua travels to the gates of Rome. And he sees there the Messiah sitting. And he asks him this question. When will you come to make all things anew and bring peace? And the Messiah looks at him and says, Today. Rabbi Yeshua returns to Elijah in the blink of an eye, and Elijah says to him, what did the Messiah say to you? And the rabbi said, well, I think he must have lied. He said that peace would return to all people today, but it has not come. Elijah says to him, he did not mean that it would come today. Rather, he was quoting a psalm verse to you. It says, today if you will only listen to his voice. Jesus shows up, uh, um, Elijah shows up all over the place. He shows up, and he's always with lepers, he's with the blind, he heals people, he speaks about the coming day of the Lord. Now, if that sounds a little bit familiar, it's because uh, it kind of looks like Jesus and not only does Jesus become, uh, is Jesus patterned after these Elijah stories, Jesus, Elijah actually shows up in the Gospels with Moses, blessing Jesus as a new figure of hope, restoration, love, and mercy. Whenever Elijah's name is invoked in Jewish rituals and rabbinic stories, it's always associated with the bringing of hope and salvation from a present state that seems hopeless and impossible to live through. He always comes. He speaks power to the empire and calls the victims of that empire back to God, back to the law, to love God and to love others. God calls us all back 
in times of hopelessness, providing another way today if you only listen to his voice.